Welcome to Riverside. My name is Keith. I told the last group that um, I was ready to preach this on Tuesday. That's how excited I was for this particular scripture right here. So I love um, Matthew. I love uh, what Matthew is doing as somebody who walked alongside Jesus. And so we're going to dig into that today. But I want to first start off with the Apostle Paul. And so now, if you know anything about the Apostle Paul's life, I mean, this was a guy, he was born in the right place, of the right tribe, the right family. I mean, the guy was smart. He was like a religious leader, so he knew his stuff inside and out. He told me, he's like, I was born of the best tribe in Israel. I was born of the chosen people. And if anything, I was given the revelation of what God was doing. And so he talks about everything that he had, and you can see, I mean, even in our own lives, how we know this kind of stuff, I mean, how conceited we could actually be with all this knowledge. And he actually talks about this because he actually writes a letter to the church in Corinth. This is his third letter, which we call 2 Corinthians. Listen to what he says. He says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, the revelations that he's been given, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so what Paul is saying is, I actually was blessed because I actually have an outside weakness that constantly reminds me of my need for God. And he was like, I'm thankful for this. And so if I'm going to go out and be conceited about anything, I'm going to be conceited in my weaknesses. That's what I'm going to talk about. There's something in us when it comes to weakness and that list that he talks about, insults and hardships and persecutions, that our flesh recoils from that. We don't want that. That's not what we want. I've spent my whole life as a Christian. No, I have not spent my whole life as a Christian. I've spent my Christian life fighting against this right here. Because what I do is I, in my relationship with God, is as I learn something, then what I say is, okay, God, I got this. Let's file that one away. I'll handle that one on my own now. And so now let's go on to the next thing that you want to teach me. And there isn't this reliance on God. And that starts not even just a grown-up thing. That's just a child thing. I take my daughter to the mall, the Willow Grove Mall. We enter through the, uh, the carousel entrance. And so naturally, what do you think my daughter wants to do? on the carousel. And so now she yells at me if I try to buy the tokens myself. So I have to give her the dollar bill. She wants to put it in herself. She wants to grab the token. She wants to go through the turnstile herself. She wants to pick out the horse herself. She wants to tell me what horse I'm going to sit on too. She wants to do it. When we brush teeth at night, it's probably the most stressful time of the day. She wants to grab the brush. She wants to put the toothbrush, toothpaste on the brush. She wants to put the water on there. She wants to brush her own teeth. And she yells at me if I try to do anything for her. And so it starts from an early age, this idea that we are self-sufficient. I do not need anyone for anything in my life. 
And God has brought me to a point in my own life where he's constantly reminding me where I need him. I need him. Whether I realize it or not, I need him. And so what we're going to look at today is this. Kingdom life, this kingdom that Jesus talks about, is about total dependence on the Father like a child. Total dependence on the Father like a child. Matthew is opening us up to a brand new kingdom. And what he's saying is, it does not operate like you think kingdoms work down here. It is upside down. Take everything that you think about kingdoms down here and turn it upside down. And what Jesus is saying through Matthew is this right here. Christ came to open up our eyes to what really is going on. And so that's what we're going to look at today. So let's look at Matthew 19. Verses 13 through 30. We're going to look at Matthew 19, verses 13 through 30. And before we get started, let's pray. Father, we just thank you and we praise you, Lord. We pray that you would open our eyes up to your truth and your scripture. And if anything, Lord, we just say, please show us and help us to live this in our lives, Lord. And we just come to you and ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Verse 13 says this, Then children were brought to him that he might lay hands, his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. And so here it is. Jesus is there, and people are bringing their children to Jesus so that they could be blessed. And so with that comes a certain level of faith. Why? Because there's a faith in people that I'm going to bring this child to Jesus, and he is not going to turn them away. The expectation that Jesus is going to bless them and welcome them. Welcome them. And what do the disciples do? Ah! No. Don't bother Jesus with this. The disciples rebuke the people for bringing the children. A rebuke means an expression of sharp disapproval or criticism. Don't waste Jesus' time with them. That's what they're saying. Don't bother Jesus. Why? Because children are not thought of as not thought of very highly. Listen to this right here. It's an article called How Christianity Invented Children. It's by a guy named Pascal Emmanuel Gobery. And listen to what he says. He cites historians who suggest that children were considered non-persons in ancient Greece and Rome. In these societies, Gobri notes, the entire social worldview was undergirded by a universally held, if implicit, view. Society was organized in concentric circles, with the circle at the center containing the highest value people and the people in the outside circles having little to no value. At the center of value was the free-born adult male. The value of all the persons depended on their similarity to free-born adult males. Foreigners, slaves, women, and children were at the periphery of those circles. As a result of this kind of social structure, Gobri, citing historical sociologist Rodney Stark, highlights the frequent practice in the ancient world that involved the abandonment of unwanted infants, especially infant girls because of their low status. 
And so this is the society that you're seeing right here. So keep that in mind as now Jesus is there. His disciples are stopping the children from coming. Why? Because they're not valued very highly. They're on the outside looking in right there. And what Jesus does is Jesus turns around and he rebukes his disciples. Do not stop them from coming to me. For such as these is the kingdom of heaven. Now the question is why? Why would Jesus use children as the example? What is it about children that Jesus is trying to point out? Tell me. Children are innocent. What else? Children are open. What else? Children trust. What else? Children, what do children do when they ask you for something? Hmm? They're relentless, right? Can I get an amen? Right? What does a no mean to a child? It means, let me just try again, all right? Why? Why are they asking you? Can they do it on their own? They're dependent. And so what Jesus is telling his disciples is, that is what the kingdom is like. You need to become like them, dependent. They ask you again and again and again because they know they can't do it themselves. My daughter will do things on her own, but guess what happens when she can't do something? Who do you think she asks? She's dependent. She can't do it on her own. And that's what he's saying. Jesus is saying, be like them. Imitate them because that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he blesses them. You see, the disciples are just like children. Jesus calls them the little children. They need God more than they realize it. They don't realize how much they're going to need. And what Jesus is saying is kingdom entrance is not dependent upon your merit and what you do. It's dependent upon you becoming like a child and having faith in God's grace. Faith equals helplessness. You place your faith in Christ to say, I can't get into heaven on my own. I am helpless to do it on my own. And so I ask Jesus and say, I need what you have. And it's not only just for initial salvation, it's for every aspect of your life where you ask God, help me. When I got this, when the light bulb went off in my head, doesn't happen often, but when it finally did, it changed my life. I'll never forget my last job that I had. I had a project that I was given, and I was deathly afraid of doing because I was like, I don't know how to do this, right? They're, gonna, they're probably going to figure out, I don't know what I'm doing here, right? And so just like my daughter will grab me on my leg when she's afraid of something, that's literally how I was to God. And I was like, help me, Lord. Help me. And I was able to do a, and accomplish more things because I came to him and asked for help. It was like the doors of the kingdom flew open. And he was like, now you understand how the kingdom works. It's never been about you doing it on your own strength. It's always been about you coming to me and asking for help. That is a huge kingdom principle. Helplessness. Helplessness in everything in our life. And what we do is we do the same thing the disciples do. No. Don't bother God. 
And so in this story right here, who are actually the ones without faith? The disciples are the ones that don't have the faith because they're like, don't bother God with this stuff. But that's the same thing that we do, right? I have a decision at work. I'm not going to bother God with that. My marriage, I'm not going to bother God with that. My, my daughter, I'm not going to bother God with that. My relationship with my father, I'm not going to bother God with that. And so we do the same thing. And what Jesus is saying is, for such as this is the kingdom of heaven, you have to become like them. You know, the funny thing, I'm not going to name any names here, but there is somebody on staff at Riverside whose daughter likes to come up here and dance during worship time, okay? I don't want to name any names here. All right? But, you know, I find myself doing the same thing as my initial reaction was trying to get her in the back. And I feel like Jesus would have probably rebuked me. She loves coming up here because she loves the worship. She loves the music. And so I'm going to take her and try and squash that desire in her too. I see, I see myself or the disciples in me too. I see the same exact thing. And so that's what he's trying to say. Look, the disciples were inhibiting a major kingdom truth. Listen to what Jesus says several chapters earlier in Matthew 11. He says, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to who? Little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Father, you have hidden these kingdom truths from people who think that they're so smart and they can figure it out on their own, but you have revealed them to people who are just like children. Thank you, Father. Thank you. It's an upside-down kingdom, and it doesn't work the way that we think it works. Hold on to that thought, because we're going to come back to that, but it's this. The application is this. We need to be like little children dependent upon God for everything. Every area of your life, you need to be like a little child to him. Watch what happens next. Verse 16. And behold, a man came up to him saying, teacher, what good deed must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who's good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbors yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, because he, for he had great possessions. Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus says to him, why do you ask me about being good? There's only one that's good. And so Jesus said, okay, you want to try to be good? Because what he's literally asking is, how do I become good like God to be able to get into heaven? What must I do to be good like that? Jesus is like, first and foremost, there's only one that's good. That's God. Okay, let's do a little test here. You know the commandments, follow them. Which ones? Tell me which ones I should follow. You should not steal. You should not commit adultery. You should not lie, right? You should treat your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is basically recapping 2 through 10, which is about other people and how you relate to other people, right? 
And he says, I've been doing that, but I'm still missing something. So even the man realizes, even though I've been doing these things, I'm still missing something. And Jesus says, go and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and follow me. And then you'll inherit eternal life. Now stop right there. Let's go back. Let's go back to the garden. There's Adam and Eve. And God says to them, you can eat anything here. Just don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That decision right there is what kind of decision? It's a love decision. What he was saying is, do you love me enough to obey what I tell you? Now we fast forward. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you and follow me and you will inherit eternal life. This is a love decision. You see what Jesus is doing, and it's, the, it's such a Jesus way of doing it, and I love how Jesus is doing it. Jesus is opening him up to his failure to obey which commandment? I'm giving you an opportunity to show your love for me and your heart by getting rid of the idol in your life that you have elevated. You have a heart blockage, and so I'm giving you an opportunity to get rid of the blockage in your heart. Get rid of it and follow me. And what did the man do? He went away sad. He says, I don't want to do it. And so what Jesus is saying is, you think you're following all the other commandments and you still realize something's missing? You know what's missing? You can't even do the first commandment. And so Jesus was giving him an opportunity to do the very first commandment, and he chose not to do it. What is it in our lives that we have elevated in the place of Jesus? What is it in our lives that we have a heart blockage for Christ? See, for this man right here, it was his money. He wasn't ready to give up his money. What is it in your life that you're not ready to give up to follow him? This is what Jesus is saying right here to this man in particular. This is the choice that he is giving him. And so when he asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Place your faith in me, to love me. And the way that you do that is you become a child. He wasn't ready to do it, and so he went away sad. And listen to what Jesus says next in verse 23. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible. With God all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? 
Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Jesus is saying is, why is it hard for a rich person to enter heaven? Now, understand what I'm saying here. If you have money, it does not mean you cannot go to heaven. What he's saying is the reason why it is hard is because your God is money, and he understands how difficult it is. The pull of money in our lives, and in particular, this man's life right here. That was his God. Have you ever met someone who's like, why do I need God? I got money. I'm doing pretty well. Church is for people who are lost, who are, don't have anything. Their God is money. There's a guy named Gary Grant. No relation. He's over in England. He, I wish he was related to me because he owns like 120 toy stores over there. And so he talks about how he started with one, and his wife is a Christian, and his wife bought him a ticket for a men's breakfast at the church. And so he goes, and he's like sitting in the back the whole time. He's like, well, I don't, I don't need to be here. I got a Mercedes-Benz. I got all these stores. I'm doing pretty well in my life. But it was the Lord that had to open up his eyes to his need for Christ. And he talks about that now. And so he's a perfect example. What Jesus is saying is it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get into heaven because a rich person is dependent upon who? For their, how they're, they depend on money. They depend on themselves. But if you can take that and you can put anything in that stuff, what is it that you're depending on besides God? What is it that you depend on besides Christ? And so that's what Jesus is saying. And what he's saying is, and so the disciples are like, well, if he can't get in, who can? They thought because you had a lot of money, you were blessed. Well, if this guy is blessed and he can't get in, who's going to get in? And when he was like, with man, this is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. Why? Because God is the only way and Christ is the only way for you to get into heaven because you cannot do it on your own. All of us take something in our lives, and we place it on a throne in place of Christ. And what he's saying is, that's where your heart is. And you can't turn away from that unless God opens up your eyes and enables you to give your life to Christ. He's like, yeah, it's impossible for you, but it's not impossible for God. And that's what Christ is saying to them. He's teaching his disciples a lesson. That's the problem that sin has. It makes us take everything else and elevate it to the throne, and we worship everything else. Watch the game tonight. People are going to be worshiping these teams, worshiping these players. We worship everything. You'll find something to worship in your life because you were created for worship. And what he's saying is the only way for you to worship Christ is God has to do it. The only way for you to inherit eternal life is Christ has to do it. That's why it's not impossible for God. That's what he's saying. I love Peter. Because Peter's one of those guys that just says whatever's on his mind. He's like, well, we've been following you. Well, what will we get? Right? 
And Jesus says, trust me. When I sit on my throne, you will be there with me, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And anybody else who has forsaken everything in their life from me will inherit eternal life and will be rewarded. But let me tell you this, and again, this upside-down kingdom, the way the rewards work in the kingdom of heaven is not how you think they work down here, because the first will be last and the last will be first. It doesn't work the way you think down here. We always think that people are first in line, that they're going to get the best. He's like, the, the last will be first and the first will be last. It doesn't go according to how you think it goes in terms of how rewards will be given in the kingdom of heaven. You see, the second application is this eternal life. It's not about your effort. It's about Christ. The only way that you gain entrance into the kingdom and you inherit eternal life is for what he has done. And you, in order to get that, have to receive that like a what? A child. You've got to receive that in faith like a child because in faith I realize I am helpless to do it by myself. I cannot do it by myself. You see the difference between the rich man and the, and the child? The rich man says what? I depend on my own ability. I depend on my ability to follow rules. I depend on how much money I have. I depend on how smart I am to make that money. A child is dependent on their parent for everything. They have nothing. And they're always asking because they expect to receive and they can't do it for themselves. And so the rich man, in his own wisdom, he is not, he lacks the heart to follow Jesus because I don't need him and I'm not willing to give up the idol that I have. Faith, like helplessness, is for your initial salvation and it's for the rest of your life in everything that you do. And we have to become like a child in what, in what Christ did. Jesus Christ came to die on the cross and when we place our faith in him like a child and we ask for forgiveness of our sins and we receive that in faith, that's how you get into heaven. It's not about how smart you are, how much money you have. Jesus says you have a heart blockage. And unless you come to me in faith like a child, you cannot receive eternal life. You cannot inherit eternal life. You know what's really interesting? When you look in the book of Luke, Luke writes the same exact story, but he follows it with Zacchaeus, the tax collector. This is a man that's been bilking people out of money, and he comes face to face with Christ, and what does he do? He says, I'm going to pay back everything that I've taken. That's an example of somebody who came face to face with Christ and had his heart blockage removed, and now he gives his life to Christ. And what does he do? He gives away his money. He gives back his money. That's somebody who got it. That's somebody who actually got it. And when God came to earth as a man, who did he choose to come as? A child. He chose to come as a child. And so when you hear Jesus say, I only do what I see my Father doing. Jesus gives you an example of how life is supposed to be lived, who had every reason to do what he wanted to do, and he chose to be fully dependent on his Father for everything. That's how we are called to live this life.
total dependence like a child. And so we go back to the beginning. Do you think the disciples got it? Jesus died, he rose again, and he goes and he seeks out Peter, and he says to Peter, do you love me? And he asks him three times, and then he says this in John 21, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show him by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. The disciples, they got it. Because the same men that deserted Jesus and ran away in fear were the same ones in the book of Acts to go and to preach to people that the kingdom of heaven was now here. And they didn't do it with fear. Their power was made perfect in weakness. Their power was made perfect in weakness, and they became children, just like the ones that they had prevented earlier. They got it. We need to become like children, dependent on God for everything, your initial salvation and your whole life after that. I'm telling you, when you unlock this truth in your life, you will see God do amazing things in your life because it's not your strength, it's his. And you watch what he does. And secondly, eternal life, it's not about your effort. You to try to achieve eternal life on your own, there's more chance of a camel going through the eye of a needle than for you to be able to inherit eternal life on your own. We cannot do it without Christ and what he's done. And I'll leave you with this. Jesus, when he says in Matthew 11, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are you try, tired of trying to earn righteousness on your own? Are you tired of trying to be religious on your own strength? Jesus says, my way is easy and my way is light. And how do you get it? You become like a child. Let's pray.